0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. This morning, we'll discuss some of the do's and don'ts of home buying. What myths have you heard about buying a home? We'll talk about some dangers that first-time home buyers should look to avoid. And are you always getting a bargain when wading into the foreclosure market? Be sure to call us this morning with your home buying experiences and any personal finance questions that you have. The number is one mpb ring The phone number is 1-877-672-7464 or send us an email money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks from MPB Think Radio.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. The Trump administration is reportedly looking at new actions in Afghanistan. The Washington Post is reporting the White House is weighing whether to, to deploy more U.S. troops to the country. Former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice says the Trump administration may be looking at several options to shore up the Afghan government. Obviously, the the goal is to have a government that's stable in Kabul, that can't be uh, assaulted by the Taliban, Uh, but they're going to have to look at all options. She spoke to NBC's Today program. Meanwhile, Defense Secretary James Mattis is in Europe meeting with allies. Former President Barack Obama is in Italy speaking at a conference about the intersection of climate change and food production. He's warning that greenhouse gases affect food production and that shortages of food cause millions of people to migrate in search of safety.
2: If we don't take the action necessary to slow and ultimately stop these trends, the migration that has put such a burden on Europe already will just continue to get
1: worse. Meanwhile, the White House says top officials in the Trump administration have postponed today's meeting on the Paris Climate Change Accord. As a candidate, President Trump had promised to renegotiate the U.S. role in the world accord. The United Nations Refugee Agency says at least 245 migrants are missing and feared dead in the Mediterranean Sea. Joanna Kakissa says the report comes after two vessels sank.
3: Only one woman and six men were rescued from a shipwreck on Sunday that left 163 people missing and presumed drowned. Another 82 migrants are also missing after the rubber boat they were in sank. The UN says more than 1,300 people
1: have drowned while trying to reach Italy from North Africa this year. Joanna Kakissis reporting from Athens. After more than a year of investigating, Phoenix police have named a suspect in the serial street shooter case. From member station KJZZ, Casey Kuhn has more. Police booked 23-year-old Aaron Saucedo on 26 separate felony counts. Phoenix police say community tips pointed to Saucedo, who was recently arrested in a 2015 murder case. Nine people were killed and two injured in the shootings, which began in West Phoenix. Most of the shootings happened in 2016. Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams says the arrest brings closure to the mostly Hispanic community. We hope that our community will rest a little easier and that our officers will get a little more sleep knowing that the wheels of justice are finally in motion. Police are still determining a motive and have not found correlations between most of the victims and Saucedo. For NPR News, I'm Casey Kuhn in Phoenix. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 29 points at 21,041. The Nasdaq is up 27 points at 6,130. This is NPR. In South Korea's presidential election, exit polls suggest left-of-center candidate Moon Jae-in has won the election. Two other major candidates have made concession speeches. Moon is a supporter of engagement with North Korea, an effort known as the Sunshine Policy. He also opposed, ousted South Korean President Pat Gun-hae. She was forced from office in a corruption scandal. An Alabama judge has declared the state's workers' compensation law unconstitutional. NPR's Howard Burkus reports the ruling suggests chaos for injured workers, insurance companies, doctors, and employers if the Alabama legislature does not act.
4: State Circuit Court Judge Pat Ballard ruled that the nation's lowest workers' compensation payments make no rational sense. The payments of $220 a week are well below the state's poverty line, and haven't changed since 1985. NPR and ProPublica cited that compensation rate in a 2015 investigation of inequities in workers' comp laws nationwide. Judge Ballard also ruled that Alabama's limits on fees for workers' comp attorneys left injured workers without representation, denying them due process. Ballard gave lawmakers six months to change the law and avoid what he called a workers' comp crisis. Appeals challenging the ruling are also possible. Howard Burkis, NPR News.
1: Major flooding continues in the central U.S. The National Weather Service expects heavy rain to add to swollen rivers, especially along the Mississippi River and its tributaries. This will increase the chance of flash flooding. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News.
0: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Visiting Angels. Professional caregivers assisting adults at home in bathing, dressing, meals, and light housework nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Learn more at 1-800-365-4189.
2: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Call
3: 1-877-MPB-RING.
2: That's 877-672-7464.
3: Or email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio.
0: Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College, President of New Perspectives. Also from New Perspectives, the Portfolio Manager, Ryder Taff. So this morning we're going to be talking about some of the do's and don'ts of home buying. What myths have you always heard about buying a home? We'll talk about some dangers that first-time buyers should look to avoid. Are you always getting a bargain when wading into the foreclosure market? Also some other things we hope to discuss. Uh, is buying a house always better than renting? Does buying a fixer upper always return its value? And do you have a home buying horror story or maybe you have a system that worked well for you when you purchased a home? So give us a call this morning with any home buying experiences and personal finance questions. The phone number is 1877 MPB ring. It's 1877 672 or send an email to money at org. So, good morning to you both.
5: Good morning, Kevin.
0: Good morning. An excitement this weekend?
5: Excitement. Did you have any excitement, Ryder?
6: No, I, I never do.
5: Oh, that's not true. He just doesn't talk about it. He keeps <laughs> everything very quiet. We usually have to find out from somebody else, you know.
0: Very Las Vegas. Yes. Whatever happens with Ryder stays with yes. Ryder. Yes. Yes. I was in uh, Florida, a little windy on the beach, but uh, always nice to go down there and, and visit for a while. The the funny thing was my brother is um, visiting his daughter, his stepdaughter in Minnesota. And so the week of Memorial Day, he's, he's like, oh, I need to ask you something. Like, what is he's like? Would would you mind coming down here and house sitting for me? I'm like we a week on the thing. beach. What are Except, you talking about?
5: I will say Memorial Day weekend. Everybody else is going to be down there. That's true. So you know, it's just um, leave early. That's all I can well, say.
0: Well, uh, it's funny because uh, early in May, the the main road in on Pensacola Beach. You know, it's it's four lane at one point, but it's two lane at, at one point, and it's it was already back quite backed up. And I'm thinking this is you know early May here. It's not supposed to be like this. They're actually doing yeah. some major traffic reflow uh, pattern at the main intersection to try to alleviate some of the, uh, of, the backla- of the backlog. Um, fortunately, I do have the SunPass, which is the bridge toll, the automatic thing you can put on your car. So I have a special lane uh, getting onto special. the island. Yeah. <laughs> you just get to fly on through, huh? Exactly. Hopefully so, at least. Or there will be a lot of people that are in that lane that realize at the last minute they shouldn't be and it'll be backed up. But anyway, I uh, should be fun, but you're right. Memorial Day, always a big uh, time down there. So I'm looking forward to some beach time uh, here at the end of May. So what about some financial news in the news?
5: Well, we had uh, a new jobs report, and it was quite good. The mm-hmm. first Friday of every new month, we get information about the previous month. So we get the number of jobs added, which is what investors pay more attention to, mm-hmm. and the unemployment rate, which is a little fuzzier. But um, we would had a bad month in March with only 98,000 jobs added. We had 211,000 that we got uh, for this month's report, and the unemployment rate at 4.4. 4. Is that right, Ryder? Sounds like that. And uh, what they're saying is we are basically at full employment. So, full employment means that everybody who wants a job is working. Mm-hmm. And we always have something that's called frictional unemployment a certain amount of people who are going to be unemployed because of circumstances. Uh, transitioning, all those kinds of things. So this is about as low as it goes. So that's all good news for our economy, because when we're working, when we're feeling good about jobs. That means we're more likely to spend money.
6: And similar to that, just this morning was the job openings and labor turnover report, which is a little less exciting, but kind of has some details on um, number, well, obviously job openings, but also number of people who are quitting their jobs. And if if people didn't People don't quit their jobs if they don't think they can get another job and so one of the things you kind of hear anecdotally everywhere is it's really hard for people to find someone to hire someone to do something um it's hard to find someone to hire someone to do your landscaping or to uh repair things in your house or anything else and um and so this kind of supports that and that there's uh quit rates where people are you know leaving their jobs for another job those are going up so it's hard to find people because they're quitting and doing better jobs because there's, it's a, it's getting tighter and tighter and there's fewer well, and fewer jobs. And
5: there are good news, bad news and all of that because when you have a tighter labor market, then you have labor costs start to go up mm-hmm. and inflation starts to creep in. So everything goes up. Yeah, uh, You just can't win. There was a,
0: <laughs> a coworker here once who left without uh, securing future employment, which I did
6: think was somewhat unusual, but... I think right. she, she made it. I think I, I haven't heard from her, but I'm sure she's doing well out there. <laughs> exactly, but that's you know usually people are looking; they already have something else lined mm-hmm. up, usually with a higher pay somewhere, and uh, and so what that often affects is people at the kind of you know your your hourly wage people. So uh, hourly wages will start creeping up as they start competing for those jobs a little bit more.
0: One other thing I heard on Morning, uh, morning Edition this morning, a report on uh, the aggressive nature that the federal government has begun to take on uh, um, student loans, people who have uh, are late on their student loans, uh, now taking them to court. A lot of cases ending up with a lien against their property and in some cases actually forcing people to sell their homes in order yeah, to Yeah, there's some
5: great concern about uh, the uh, problems in the student loan market. We had some uh, things that gave relief to people with student loans and there's some questions now about wh- whether those will be honored as far as loan forgiveness for working in uh, nonprofits, uh, some forgiveness for teachers. So all of that is getting really fuzzy, and people are a little concerned. Know that with a student loan, it is almost impossible to have it discharged in bankruptcy. So once you take that on, you're committed.
0: Yeah, that was actually the uh, the the person they had in the in the story this morning. They mentioned that very point that she had filed for bankruptcy in 2006. But as you said, it's difficult to discharge uh, federal student loans in bankruptcy, and so I. I, I Felt both ways. You can uh, certainly feel for the person involved, but it's kind of like we, well, you know, what do you think you'd be able to not pay it and get away with it? Is my thought.
5: Well, I think one of the things that we've talked about, and I think. This does need to be examined, which is some of the rates that I've seen on student loans are way above current market rates because interest rates are so low right now. And so basically, those are loans that the the government is making a lot of money off of, and they could give some relief to people by lowering some of those rates.
6: Any thoughts? Um, the student student loan issues has been boiling under the surface for a long time and I've always been curious to see how it plays out um, like as mentioned there's there's a lot of there one thing I notice is a lot of people who are are kind of feel they're in trouble with their student loans they're often there are a lot of programs again there's programs for forgiveness there's programs for making your payments really 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 low and a lot of people just aren't necessarily taking advantage of those of course once you get into private loans it's a whole another issue those programs aren't necessarily available but there is a lot of help out there for getting your student loans under control and developing a plan for paying them off so i am very curious to see how it plays out uh there's gonna be some sort of subsidy in there somehow there already is their student loans but um, just seeing how that plays out in the future and how that plays out for the future of you know higher education is going to be very interesting.
5: Well, we do know that um, the default rate is higher among those who never get that degree. So if you get started right. and you take on that debt and you never finished, it's harder for you mm-hmm. to make those payments and, and carry through with that. And we have also seen in the past, and we hope this won't start to um, boil up again, which is a lot of the for-profit schools – who um, take advantage of folks along the way and know they can qualify whether it's uh, military folks or people who are lower income and uh, get you to sign up for classes and then you're stuck
6: yeah and they get to charge the kind of there's a you know a maximum they can charge for tuition or something and and those schools that's how they generate their profit um, especially through things like adult education which is a little a little harder to get information a little a little less competitive Um, but there's a a lot of people out there willing to take your student loan money. That's true,
0: all right, so uh for today's show, we're looking for any personal finance questions that you have as we do each Tuesday. Our main topic will be uh things about uh buying your house, maybe some uh, myths about home buying some do's and don'ts for first time home buyers. Uh, so if you have a successful or a not successful home buying experience that you'd be willing to share with us, or if you have a personal finance question, the phone lines are open ready for your phone call at one eight seven seven m p b ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So we'll talk about uh, some five myths about buying a home. This comes from CNN.com, and I thought I would just throw these out here and we could discuss, see if you think that they are true or, uh, or a myth. So number one is that buying a home is a great investment. Any thoughts on that?
5: Well, it depends on where you buy it. Yes. And it also depends on uh, how long you're going to stay there. And so that's where we're seeing younger generations who are opting to not buy a house because they want to be more flexible with the job market. Um, So once you buy that house, that's going to anchor you for a period of time. And you need to feel like, you know, I can be here for maybe three to five years and I can make back uh, the cost of selling and maybe make some money off of it.
6: Uh, So one thing I always want to point out, buying a house is a huge financial decision. Obviously, you you might, when you're making $40,000 a year, buy a house that's three times your salary or something. You might buy a hundred-something thousand-dollar house. That's a huge financial decision, and you're committing to payments for 15 or 30 years um, and plus tons of unknowns. But the decision to buy a house is more than just a financial one. So whenever people are like, oh, yeah, my house is such a good investment, I'm like, is it really? Are you willing to sell it now if somebody offered you a good price? What would you do right now if I offered you money for it? Um, And if if you're not like – if you don't – an investment isn't something that – you don't live in an investment. Right. Um, you don't have it, the it, emotional attachment. Right? Yeah. Like if, it, can, it can be a good financial decision uh, by all means. And it can, it can lower your overall cost of housing. And it can maybe even be something which you can generate money out of later, either through you know, moving to another house and renting that out or selling it or something. But you, you don't buy it thinking, okay, well, this is going to be how I pay the bills in five years. No, 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 no. You're locking in a lower cost of living, uh, hopefully, um, and you're getting a roof over your head. Uh, those are the important things. It's not all just about the numbers, right. but the numbers are important. Yeah. So good. That A uh, lot
0: of g- good reasons uh, to buy other than an investment, and, and those, I think, are, are what the majority of people go for. Need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got a caller on the line, and we'll continue talking about some uh, myths about buying a home later in the hour. Hope to go over some uh, do's and don'ts for host- first-time home buyers. You're listening to money talks on mpb think radio we'll be back with more of the show after this
2: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
0: In the morning, my MPB public media app is always ready to give me the morning's news.
5: It's 6 o'clock. This is MPB Think
4: Radio. And all throughout the day, checking up on my favorite
0: MPB programs is just a clip. Along
5: with Jeremy Hobson. It's here and now. Swipe. We're looking
0: for anybody who enjoys eating. we we'll scroll away. I'm Walt Grayson. Welcome to Mississippi Road. My MPB public media app is always ready to keep me informed and entertained the way
2: I want, when I want. Download the app now on your favorite device. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
3: Call 1-877-MPB-RING.
2: That's 877-672-7464. Or
3: email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio.
5: The best.
0: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. Also with us from New Perspectives, the portfolio manager Ryder Taff. So today we're talking about buying a home, uh, some of the do's and don'ts for new home buyers, some myths about home buying. Uh, but we're also always looking for any personal finance questions that you have. The number to call is one 877 mpb Ring. The phone number one 877 672 Seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Got some calls to get to in just a moment. First, uh, number two on our home buying myth list is that buying is always better than renting.
6: Thoughts? Um yeah just again so there it is a very big financial decision but the numbers aren't everything sometimes with renting you can get things that you're not going to get with a home often you know amenities and location and especially you know if you're maybe new to a city um you know and what what a lot of what a lot of developers are doing now I was just visiting my brother in Raleigh North Carolina and they're building their kind of apartment buildings like a community and so you know they have they have a lobby area with some pool tables and you know they have a happy hour and they have a little spot where they host some pop-up shops and pop-up events and it's it's a place where you can you know you can move there not knowing anybody you can kind of make friends there if you bought a house you would just be in there like painting your walls and repairing (laughs) things every day for several years you know and that's that's where some people are comfortable and want to be but some people also want want a little bit of social life and they need something to help them get that um so that's just kind of uh, amenities wise you can get a lot when you rent that you can't necessarily get um and what you get with renting
5: is flexibility, and I go back Absolutely. to that, um, because that gives you the ability just to to change locations, change jobs, uh, without worrying about, I have to get rid of this asset. I have to sell this yeah. asset. You just immediately can leave. And renting means that, um I will laugh at my daughter when they first bought, and suddenly realizing that, you know, when the air conditioning goes out or the plumbing it's, backs it's up your responsibility. there's no landlord to call you know <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it's all you
6: yeah you gotta ask your name Who, who's your handyman yes. um and you know so i you know i'm a big fan of buying house you know i own my home and i'm you know you know, excited excited might not be the word but you know I've you know kind of locked in my the cost of my housing for a very long time um, and so when you look at it that way you're like oh my goodness it just makes so much more sense to buy a home and you know there's, there's a huge 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 industry around that but um I I am here to tell you today that there are a lot of expenses that they do not tell you about. They don't tell you about.
5: But I will say... (laughs) You will keep having those. We have seen rents go up dramatically lately at the same time that interest rates have stayed very low. So that makes the uh, mathematical... Uh, yeah. Equation that you, you would be on the buying side.
6: Yeah, there's a, there's a big numbers trade-off, but uh, you know, again, it, just because it is a huge financial decision doesn't mean every detail of it has to be based in the numbers.
0: CNN suggests a quick test: if the home costs more than fifteen times the annual cost of renting a similar home, uh, you're better off renting. So, some things to think about before that first uh, home buy, or before you maybe move from one uh, dwelling to another. We've got some phone calls to get to. We start by going to Miss Campbell in Jackson. Good morning, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Can you
0: hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, I
3: just take you two questions. I'm interested in buying a home. I'm a first-time home buyer. And I wanted to know if there's any programs that to be to help first-time home buyers. And the second question is
6: about the the mortgage rate. Should I get a 15 year or a 30 year? Because I want to pay it up quick. So I'm thinking of it. What are the pros and cons of that? Um, okay, let's see. I, I, I know I know Nancy's going to want to say something about the 15 uh, to 30 year mortgage. So I want to jump in there first. Um, with okay. a 15 year mortgage, you do get a little bit lower interest rate. Uh, you're you're going to If you are paying private mortgage or mortgage insurance, you're going to be paying less of that, and you're going to be paying it for a shorter amount of time than with a thirty year. And yes, it is. It's really fun. Again, I don't know if fun (laughs) is the right word, but you get to watch that uh, balance on that loan go down a lot faster than on a thirty year. All that being said, um, and this is what Nancy's going well, to say. I, I would
5: just say, you have, you know, for most younger people, you end up landing on the side, or first-time homebuyers, you land on the side of a 30-year just because it, you can manage that payment more and you can be more comfortable stepping into that. That doesn't mean you're stuck with 30 years. You can certainly pay it off early you can pay extra payments as you have more money but if you set it up as a 15 year you're committing yourself to that higher payment every month regardless of what happens so if i have somebody who has a question mark about i'm not sure i say go for the 30 year yes it's a little bit higher interest rate and you can make some extra payments and turn it into a 15 year at some point if you want to
6: and and that being said as well um Pay people get really excited about paying off debt, but mortgage interest, mortgage interest rates are still very low, and paying them down quickly doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Um, you know, I see people that are like, "Oh, you know, I have this, you know, X amount of dollars in cash. Uh, should I use it to pay down my mortgage?" And it's like, "Well, do you have, you know, a healthy savings account? Do you, you know, what's your retirement account look like? You know, are your other debts in control? You know, what does your budget look like?" And they don't have the rest of. Their financial house in order. Um, You know, if you have, you know, too much money in savings, you're maxing out your retirement plan. You've got other investments going on. You have no other debt. Yeah, sure. Then you know, I mean, if you don't have anything else to do with your money, pay down your mortgage. But. Paying down your mortgage is one of the last things I would recommend you doing with your money. Now, for some
5: help for first-time homebuyers or for any homebuyers, I would say check with your local real estate agent. Occasionally, we see some opportunities for bond money to help with down payments, uh, special programs on renovations to help with those renovations in certain areas, but your local real estate agent is your best option to find out what's happening and what's available in your area.
6: There are a few, you know, uh, first-time homebuyer kind of mortgage, particularly like FHA mortgages. And again, the realtor or the mortgage person would be able to help you with that. Um, but a lot of the kind of more interesting, more really generous programs are kind of they're really uh kind of trailing off now a lot of those came about right after the great recession and when there were a lot of houses that were you know being foreclosed on and a lot of those got picked up in some sort of uh buyers programs but uh especially around here there's not many if any left but um uh hud housing and urban development has a has a lot of information for um for some home buyers and any programs that might be available around you.
5: Speaking of which, it's really turning into a seller's market now. It's been a buyer's market since two thousand and eight and the crash, and uh, what we're seeing is that is flipping. And just in the Jackson area in the last year, the median home price has increased eight and a half percent. That's mm. very unusual. We usually uh, <clears throat> expect somewhere in the three to maybe five percent range a year.
0: All right. Uh, thanks for your call. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you have a personal finance question or a question related to buying a house, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 April is on the line from Memphis. April, you're up next, so go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I am looking
3: to buy a house for the first time this year, and I'm considering doing a 203K home renovation loan. So I was just kind of wondering, I've heard mixed things and um, been reading on the Internet and just kind of wondering what special considerations I need to make, um, both in terms of buying a house that needs a little work and also um, with the with that 203K loan program. Um,
6: in my experience, the 203K, there's less uh, mortgage people who know about that and who are willing to work with you on that. I did not a 203k my first time, but something similar. Um, I'm not sure what the name of the program was, but essentially the mortgage officer held some money in escrow for a contractor to do some work. Uh, So... It's going to be very, very important that you're working with a very good mortgage person who's going to be able to make you help you understand it very well, and as well working with a very reliable contractor because you don't want to get a loan that says, okay, you've got exactly fifteen thousand dollars to do work, and then the contractor comes back and he's like, ah, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be sixteen thousand, and then he comes back the next day, oh, you know, we just found something else and it's going to be twenty thousand. You don't want that to happen when you're depending on this so much for your mortgage. Um, And I will say, when you you
5: start to renovate, um, it's always going to cost more than what you thought.
6: You will always find new things.
5: because if you're talking about an older home, there are things that you can't see until you start then breaking down the structure. And so you just need to be prepared and have a little bit of a cushion there.
6: Yeah. Um, so the, the, that's going to take a lot of planning. Get get multiple estimates. Get a lot of eyes that you trust on the project and make sure you understand it in and out and know what you're going to do in every situation. That's, that's, that's just an iffy thing, having um, that much work and having your loan depend on it as well.
0: All right, April, we appreciate your call. Let's get another caller from Memphis. We'll say good morning to Taylor. Good morning, Taylor. You're on the air. Go ahead.
3: Hi there, Um, I have a question about um, buying a fixer-upper, so I have it, can you okay?
6: Go ahead, yeah. You're good.
3: Yeah, okay, wonderful. So um, we're trying to buy a fixer-upper, and we're having a little bit of issues with credit, um, uh, with not having any credit history, and uh, it also being difficult to get a loan for a fixer-upper project, um, considering that... It's going to be, you know, a lower cost project um, and not having any uh, credit history. Even um, the banks uh, that we're associated with um, has been denying us loan. And um, so we were, uh, we found a house and a homeowner who's willing to set up an amortization schedule. Um, and we were just uh, wondering, in your opinion, what should we be aware of or wary of when um, lending through uh, an individual Um, in
6: that way. Does that make sense of the question? Uh, Absolutely. Um, So I I actually have a friend who's really into into, uh, owner financing. Not that he does it. He just watches a lot of YouTube videos about it. Um, My number one suggestion for that is make sure you have you hire and pay for a real estate lawyer, um, to make sure that any of the contracts you're signing, every, everything is going as you expect it to, because, um, owner financing, that sort of thing, it rarely goes as planned. And you just want to make sure that, you understand everything correctly and the house is actually yours and it's not like they're just
5: not a rental renting still. Yeah. you
6: something and having you fix it up and they're going to pull the rug from you um that's that that's my biggest suggestion is have a find a real estate lawyer who you trust or i mean there are probably other lawyers besides just a real estate specific lawyer if you know you have one who does some general stuff for you
5: um, the other thing I would say to you is, uh, I agree with Ryder on making sure on the front end that you are protected. So you need your own attorney looking at all of that. But what you need to do if you go through owner financing, typically your interest rate is going to be higher than the market rate. And so you need to come up with a plan to heal your credit and get yourself in a position so that you can go back to those lenders. And lock in hopefully a lower rate and a better situation, um, maybe three to five years down the road.
6: And, okay. and yeah, and that's going to be. Think
3: that it's worth it to wait for? Um, do you? Uh, do you? think that owner financing is a a way to build credit, potentially?
6: You're probably not going to be building, unless this is a person who reports to the credit bureaus on a regular basis for other things, then they're not going to be reporting to the credit bureaus (laughs) on this case. Um, You know, again, it's a huge financial decision, but it's more than just the numbers. If this is, you know, if this is the house that you really want and you're excited about it and you know you can get this project done and, you know, you've kind of worked it out and this is where you're going to be. Um, then you should probably do it. You should probably try to figure out a way to make it work. Um, you know. And
5: typically, with owner financing, you have an owner that's motivated if they're going to mm-hmm. offer that, then maybe they don't have as many options to sell and they would like to go forward with this. And so that mm-hmm. may make the price pretty
6: attractive. It could be a pretty good opportunity. One, one thing about, um, because eventually you will want to refinance it into a mortgage of your own. And the, the issue with a fixer upper is sometimes it's not in good enough condition for a bank to be comfortable using that to secure a mortgage. Um, but once Once it's in much better shape, they'll be more comfortable. And also, once you have some equity in the home and you won't be taking out as large a loan, they'll be more comfortable with that as well. Um, Your credit score, it doesn't matter quite as much as people often think with a mortgage, Um, although you do have to have some sort of credit history. So, you know, in the next few years, Take out a Home Depot credit card while you're fixing up the house. I mean, you know, do you know something to just get a little bit of and credit, pay bill. it on time, <laughs> and obviously do all of the correct things with that to make sure it stays in in good graces. But um, yeah, in a couple of years, you'll want to refinance that with a bank anyway to get out from under the the owner financing, unless they're just offering you a really good deal. Um, but if you want to do it, it, it sounds like you want to do it. I'm supporting you. All right.
0: Taylor, thanks for your call. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got some calls on the line. We'll continue taking personal finance questions and talking about buying a home. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. And to reach us, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Back with more of the show after this.
1: Taxpayers spend billions of dollars every year to help house poor people. Business is booming for developers and investors, but there are fewer and fewer units of housing for the poor.
3: This program has been described as a subterranean ATM, and only the developers know the pin.
1: I'm Kelly McEvers. A new investigation from NPR and Frontline on affordable housing in the U.S. That's this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
2: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
3: Call 1-877-MPB-RING.
2: That's 877-672-7464.
3: Or email money at mpbonline.org.
2: This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Money
0: Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. Also from New Perspectives, a portfolio manager, Ryder Taft. We're talking about buying a new home uh, or the home buying process. Also taking some personal finance questions uh, from you this morning. We've got some open phone lines, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Let's go back to the phones. We start again in Gaucher. Diane has called in today. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Hi, uh,
6: yes. Good morning.
3: I have uh, several credit cards just lying around with zero balances.
6: And I want to get rid of them because I want to make a big purchase in the next couple of years. Uh, what process should I go by canceling those? Because I don't plan on using them, and I do want to get rid of them. How would
3: that affect my credit score when I go to buy?
5: Well, uh There are a couple different ways that we calculate scores, and one is called the FICA, which is sort of the gold standard, and one is called the Vantage. And Vantage is making some changes where um, uh, that could uh, have a negative impact on you more if you start closing some of those out. Um, But... I think you need to look at – you need to make sure you have some that you maintain that you've had for a long time because part of the score depends on how long you've had that account. And so those longer ones, you could hang on to them, but still you could go ahead and cull that list. You might see a small ding at first, but I think you'll be fine uh, when all is said and done.
6: I would just say, you know, if – if you're not tempted to spend on them they don't have an annual fee and they are remaining open and you know one thing to keep something open you know spend you know buy a pack of gum every year on each of them <laughs> um or some stamps uh but if 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 they don't have an annual fee there's not there's not a huge impact either way necessarily to closing them um, to closing them or leaving them open. So if you're worried about them just like being a problem sitting there, they're probably less of a problem than you think. Um, if you're, you're talking, you set a major purchase in a few years, um, closing them now is not going to have a huge impact if, uh, I would just say, so the way, as Nancy mentioned, having the FICO score and the Vantage score look at these things a little differently. FICO is kind of they're cool with you having lines open as long as you they they like it when you've had lines open for a long time so actually FICO score uh, which is the traditional um, still used for mortgages uh, but you know FICO and Vantage scores are used for uh, you know car loans and um, credit cards and other personal loans Uh, so FICO score is kind of would prefer that you leave them open but again it's a small amount, and if you close them, your credit score is going to kind of be back to fine in a year or so. Uh, with the Vantage score, in some cases, and it's not it's not super clear to me yet, but in some cases, they do like you to go ahead and close cards because if you have this like huge balance and these and like a large number of cards out there that you could. Accidentally or on purpose, spend a lot of money on. They think that's a bad thing. So, so the vantage score, it might actually be good to go ahead and close a few accounts. But again, the impact might be less than you think it is.
0: All right, uh, Diane. Thanks for your call. And I would say also, there's more of an impact of the type of spender and saver you are. I mean, the habits that you've developed over having these um, credit cards says more about whether they're open or closed than you know. So, because if you're someone who is good about their personal finance and you close them, it might, might be a minor ding on your score. But I think in the long run, because of your habits,
6: it's going to be a, a stay at a good score. Absolutely. Far and away, the most important thing is paying your loans on time. Not Far just your away. loans,
5: but your, all your bills, mm-hmm. credit
6: yeah. cards, bills, etc. cetera. Um, and the next thing is, you know, not just not spending too much. You know, somebody gives you a, a $5,000 credit limit. Don't spend $5,000 tomorrow. You know, spend maybe $500 and pay that off every month.
0: All right. We've got another caller on the line. So we say good morning to Jim in the hub city of Hattiesburg. Good morning, Jim. Go ahead, please.
4: Good morning. Um, I was interested in knowing some financial concerns that I should have. Uh, I'm actually going to be in the market to purchase a home, and I'm nearing 50. And when I think about a 30-year mortgage, uh, it's kind of uh, overwhelming because the likelihood of me paying that off, uh, you know, in my lifetime, you know, it seems possibly a little slim. But uh, And I didn't want to saddle, you know, my family, my kids with, with, you know, an exorbitant amount of debt. So I was interested in the considerations. That someone who's you know a little older and, and age should have when they're you know considering making a home purchase.
5: Well, uh, I hear this all the time, and I hear it even from people who are in their sixties and seventies, and sometimes in their eighties. That you shouldn't be afraid to take on a mortgage because of your age. Most people never pay off a thirty-year mortgage anyway because they often will move. Um, that's typical, but. Um, if you take on that mortgage, you are still investing with every payment that you make. So from now until the time you leave this earth, if you stay in that house, you're building up equity in that home. And so that's not leaving your heirs with a big debt. It's leaving them with an asset that they can turn around and sell.
6: Yeah. Um, and I was just going to add on, on to that. Um, I'm not really sure why you're concerned about um Having not paid it off and dying because you're not going to have to pay it after you die. Well, I some understand. of us like to
5: think about our and, he and he and under, and heirs, and I understand
6: the thing about your heirs. Um, you know, if if the house is going to be a large part of your estate, there's you know there might be some concerns there. But again, you know, the mortgage is secured more to the home. You know, if you have you know uh, you know retirement accounts outside of that. You know, those aren't those aren't going to be affected by you leaving behind a mortgage balance. Um,
5: because you would sell the house is probably what you would do.
6: Right. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, Jim, thanks for the call. Hope we gave you there some food for thought on that. Uh, and let's uh, get one more call in before our next break. So we go to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey.
4: Hi, hey, good morning. Um, thank you for the, uh, letting me ask these questions. Um, how – what kind of criteria – do you use to find a reliable, any kind of lawyer, but especially a real estate lawyer? Where do you go to ask the pertinent questions? And um, uh, should uh, to, to begin with, should you be charged for an initial consultation? And I'll, I'll uh, let you all answer and thank you so much.
5: Well, I would say, you know, the best place to go to find good real estate lawyers is to check with reputable Uh, real estate brokers in the area. And they always know they have certain go-to attorneys they work with. They know and respect their work. And so they know who does good work and and who is doing everything they need to do to make sure the titles are clear. And so check with some of those um, real estate brokers in your area with good reputations. They've been around for a long time and they'll point you in that direction. And typically you're going to you're going to get names of people who've been at it for 20 to 30 years, mm-hmm. and you would expect to pay an hourly fee for a consultation because you're probably going to go in asking some questions. And just to purchase their time and their expertise, I wouldn't be surprised by that. That's how they make their, their living.
6: Um, so absolutely one of the kind of best ways to find professionals is through referrals um, because, you know, trust is so important in any of these relationships. So you, odds are you probably know someone who you trust and you would trust their expertise and recommendations who is working in the real estate industry in some way. Maybe they're a broker. Maybe they're, you know, an apartment manager. Maybe they maybe they build houses, but they will if you don't directly know any lawyers, uh, any real estate state lawyers yourself they will probably be able to recommend someone to you and one thing so typically you know a closing lawyer i've i've typically found that these are much smaller law firms yes, uh, often yes. often it'll just be like a guy, And maybe if he's been doing it long enough and done enough work, he's got maybe a secretary uh, or a paralegal helping him out. Um, so they're very small and so kind of harder to find through, you know, advertising or, um, you know, searching online necessarily. But that will be their specialty um, is, you know, real estate closings. And they often have kind of a flat rate. I've seen it kind of between um, five hundred and seven hundred fifty dollars for kind of the all of, you know, processing, going through all of the documents required for a real estate closing, uh, they will be able to, um, and so if you're, you know, if you're doing something on your own or particularly like we were talking before about owner financing, writing up or looking at documents for that, then, you know, that's might be what you expect to pay.
5: Well, um, they might be willing to just, you know charge you by the hour if you're just right. looking for information but I will caution you that now they are all very busy yeah. and the market uh of course it's the time of the year that people are um changing houses and uh the real estate market is pretty healthy right now so yeah. those guys are pretty busy
6: and 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 always for any professional you engage with I mean you know we have people who call our office all the time just just ask them how they charge, how much they charge, how much you can expect to pay. Um, they are used to people asking them this. Uh, they have probably <laughs> written down somewhere how they charge, so it is it is a very simple, easy answer for them. You know, there's no reason to feel uh, awkward about asking about that, and and it's very good. And they will understand that you want to know that in advance.
0: And I would say also, if you end up having to pay for an initial consultation, sort of as Nancy uh, indicated, go in prepared. Don't you know scatter shoot your questions, but do a lot of research. For- Figure out what it is you need to know uh, so that you go in there, and if you're paying for an hour or two or whatever, you can get the most of that by uh, knowing what you're going to do and having a plan uh, and your questions ready to go. Need to take one final break this hour. We are on Money Talks today talking about buying a home, also looking for any uh, personal finance questions that you have. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Back to wrap up the show after this short break. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
4: Normally, I don't recommend eavesdropping, but feel free to join in on my conversations. Our guest this week is trainer and former pro
0: football player, Paula Costa.
2: You know, you can have all the God-given talent in the world, but if you don't earn it and work for it, make your strengths even stronger, Turn your weaknesses into strengths. Once that set in with me, I realized that's how success would happen.
4: Sundays at 5.30 and Thursdays at 10 on MPB.
2: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Nancy Lotter anderson Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. Also from New Perspectives, we have the Portfolio Manager, Ryder Taft. We've been talking about buying a home this morning, gotten a lot of good questions, varied questions on the home buying process. We've still got some time for that, but also we always like to hear any personal finance questions that you have as well. The beginning of the show, we were going through a couple of myths of home buying. We talked about whether a house is a great investment or not, uh, whether buying is better than renting. Uh, The Third myth, uh, courtesy of CNN and .com, they say the three most important factors are location, location, location. During the break, we were in a spirited discussion about this one, and uh, the idea is maybe it's not quite uh, the myth that CNN's painting it
6: out to be. Thoughts? Location is is one of the most important things uh you know you can probably find a house with a roof and a floor in a lot of different places but uh, when you look around you know it's it's not necessarily i think and 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 the The article does go on to point out, you know, it's not necessarily the things you want to look, it's not necessarily the things you think to look for, but you're still looking for what does this location offer? Not only what are the amenities does it have right now, what is the community like now, but what is it going to be like in the future? Um, you don't want to be in a, you know, a, a good neighborhood that's kind of looks like it's on the decline. You, you would rather be in a mm, okay neighborhood that looks like it's On the upswing, Um, you know, just in Jackson, it's really easy to see examples of this. Things like, you know, Fondren, uh, the Fondren area, maybe five years ago or ten years ago, was not nearly as, um, and the word is. Happening as it is now, um, and th- Kevin, you, could, you and I are not you happening. You could, you know. So was, there was very there, it was a it was a very good neighborhood, uh, but it still had great potential for growth there. Um, so. and
5: and I would say what we're looking for in living conditions and locations is different now. You know, we're looking mm. for walkability. We're looking for those amenities. Um, it was interesting. We had Mr. Leland Speed come and speak to our investment club out at MC a couple of years ago it was wonderful and he talked about this change in what we're, we're we want in a neighborhood and even in my age wanting a place that we can mm. just leave for a few weeks at a time and everything is fine but he said if you go through a neighborhood and you see people walking and biking and moving around that's a huge wonderful sign if you see women walking and running by themselves you might already be too late in purchasing in that neighborhood because that's already
6: uh, a very desirable spot. Yeah, so look look for that community and look for what's going on in that community.
0: Got a caller on the line. Judge Chandler has called in today. Good morning, Judge. Go ahead, please.
4: Well, good morning. I heard the discussion and the questions pertaining to uh, how you find a good real estate lawyer, and that, that was excellent advice offered by uh, your host there. But I also wanted to add that... Um, Usually, if you go to your Chancery Clerk's office, uh, they will have seen all of the filings by all of the lawyers in the area. They know the ones who uh, turn in impeccable, error-free uh, paperwork. They also know those that uh, you might want to avoid. So usually, they can they can uh, guide guide a person in the right direction if he or she is looking for a real estate lawyer, usually they also know whether a lawyer charges an initial fee, and if so, generally what that fee might be. So I thought, uh, in addition to the brokers and uh, the real estate folks in the area, if a person wanted to get some good advice on how to find a good real estate lawyer, just check with your local chantry clerk.
6: Great advice. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in, Josh. That was that was a really fantastic advice. All right, Josh, well, underused and, and, resource.
4: And and thank you for a marvelous show. I always listen, and today has been as informative as always. So thank you for a wonderful show.
0: Thanks. Good uh, to hear from you, Judge. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're wrapping up our show on uh, buying a home. Still a chance, maybe if you could get a call in quickly at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We've been going over some uh, house-buying myths courtesy of CNN. The last one we talked about is the idea of location, 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 how important location is. The next one is somewhat related. Another myth that they talk about is to to buy the worst home in the best neighborhood uh any thoughts on this i would just think worst home might be worse off than you thought and i'm thinking Well, of and the- here
5: again it depends it depends um um you have to look at it as um, there's a difference between worst and smallest. Mm-hmm. You know, Buying the smallest home in the neighborhood could be very, very attractive to do that. But the worst home maybe it
6: has... Uh, does it, does it, why is it the worst? Does it have problems exactly. with it? And, um, or is are, it just
5: so ugly that nobody wants it and you can't fix it?
6: And are those problems that you're going to be able to fix? And that, you know, is a really good thing to bring up because a lot of people have called about a fixer-upper and, you know, if if that what you want to do if you want to fix her upper house absolutely go for it but know what you're getting into don't just like watch HGTV and be like I'm gonna do that, and that like, <laughs> but like so know <laughs> what you're getting into um, and know how much it's going to cost if you have to get a professional involved because you've totally botched the job if you have a friend who is a contractor or a handyman and can look at these things and give you a good assessment of it that's going to be very helpful um, they're going to be able to see things in a way that you don't see them if you're like oh my gosh it's a fixer upper I just need to put some paint on it. That's not a fixer upper like and does it have floors? Um, well, you know. the other thing
5: is you have to look at um, what are the things that can be changed about the house? What are the things that can't be changed about the house? Absolutely. So if you have a slab foundation, you're kind of stuck with where uh, your water and sewer is, unless right. you're going to spend a whole lot of money. Versus if you're on a conventional foundation, you can move some of those things around. So that's what you really need to look at, and a contractor will help you with that. And look at, you know, where are my load-bearing walls? Mm. Can I just go in and start knocking out things? And mm. then the roof caves in.
6: And, and speaking of a slab foundation and a fixer-upper, I remember once looking at a home. It was a, it was a little bit of a fixer-upper, nothing too serious. The home was fantastic, though, but it was a slab foundation, and the slab had a crack right down the middle of it. Um, that was because thousands and thousands necessary. of dollars that I did not have, and I was not going to do that fixer-upper project. And I would say one other thing that folks can learn watching those
0: shows on HDTV and the other networks is how many times do the professionals, when they're flipping a house or renovating a house, run into something that they don't even anticipate and mm-hmm. run into a Problem there. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, go cautiously. If that's something that you like to do and are able to do it, go for it, but uh, think cautiously before you Well, really and get the other thing that.
5: about those shows is so much uh, is comped.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so
5: the real cost is really not shown there. Yeah. Be careful. And
0: exactly. you also wonder how much is edited. I mean, it's obviously a show. It's an hour-long show. They have to edit it. And also, it's an entertainment show, so they're doing some things that are going to be yeah. interesting and maybe some of the more boring. You mean,
5: you mean it's not for real, <laughs> they Kevin? Don't,
6: it's, it's just not exciting to show somebody, like, in their crawl space covered with sewage for a full hour. <laughs> but you might do that if you have a fixer-upper. Also, they're always
0: way out of my price range. I'll just
6: say that. It's like, well, what is y- oh, we've
0: got a million dollars to spend on that house. It's like, oh, well, you can always see the, the little dollar signs going off and whoever's doing the rehab oh, thing. yeah. All right, that's gonna wrap us up for today. Uh, money Talks, a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. One way to hear today's show or previous show is to find it at mpbonline.org/slash money talks. Our show is produced by Jay White, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy, Lottery Janderson, and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next, it's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.